Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. Hi, this is Jonathan Doe, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. everybody and welcome to sick on cinema i am one half of your synapse films fanboys john and my other half is not here yes uh, you're probably expecting the bruno Mattei episode this week and unfortunately matt has fallen ill so we tried our best to postpone it for him to get better and he's still under the weather. Um, he's doing fine, but just not feeling well enough to do the podcast, unfortunately. So we decided that we were going to push that back till next week. And uh, But we didn't want to leave you all without anything to listen to this week. So I decided that I will do a solo episode of uh, just a random thing I threw together. And that's my some of my favorite Synapse Films releases. So I decided what I'm going to do is just go through... The questions for the week, so we're not leaving those hanging as well. As well as that. And that'll be it. It'll be a shorter episode. And probably way less entertaining because I don't have anybody to bounce off of. And uh, it's kind of early. And I'm trying to be kind of quiet because everybody's asleep but me. Um, you're probably going to hear the air condition running and cats moving around. But it is what it is. And uh, yeah, so we do apologize Matt felt terrible about having to delay the episode. He was like, I don't want us to go back to what we used to be doing and delaying episodes after episode. I'm like, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> we're only delaying an episode a week. It'll be all right. There'll be still something out. So uh, it's all going to be good. But we appreciate you guys as always. The support for the podcast has been absolutely insane. We never expected anything out of it you know when we first did the podcast about two years ago before we stopped doing it we really thought that we were just talking to ourselves and that nobody was listening now all of a sudden you know we're getting questions for the week and people are talking about how much they like the show and shouting us out on social medias and things like that and it's insane so yeah 
I guess first up, I will do what I always do, and that's questions, comments, and concerns can be sent to sickoncinema at gmail.com as my cat comes and loves up on me. Hello, cat. <laughs> uh, questions, comments, and concerns can be sent to sickoncinema at gmail.com, or you can wait to the week of the episode on our Instagram page, which is really the only social media that is live and well. Everything else I find to be absolutely cancerous and just a debate form of people spouting misinformation at each other. <laughs> um, yeah, but we'll post a picture on Instagram that says we are taking questions. And you can leave your question, comment, or concern there. And it don't have to be a uh, question for the podcast. You can say whatever you want to. You can tell us how terrible we are at what we do. You can say if you like the show, you can uh, give us cool little tidbits, you can recommend movies, you can do whatever you want to. So we got a ton to get to, so I'm going to go ahead and start getting into these. First up today, we actually have a, well if I can operate this, there we go. We have a, a comment from a new listener, well I don't know if they're new or not, but, well I think they are new actually. Alright, so this one is from... Xavier from Geneva, which is always crazy when I'm reading places like that. Um, but Xavier says, Hello, guys. I discovered your podcast recently and binge listened to all the episodes, which that's insane, and I feel bad for you. No, I'm kidding. We really appreciate that. Wish I was friends with you guys in real life to hang around and talk about all the horrible movies we love, which, again, that that's very sweet of you. We're much more boring in real life, though. We're just two overweight, depressed dudes. <laughs> I listened to your episodes on fake serial killer documentaries. Since I speak French, I grew up watching shitloads of horror movies, but only a few were French, or at least French-speaking. Man Bites Dog was among them. Such a masterpiece of horror and black humor is fantastic. 100% agree on that. I just wanted to add something. When they get drunk all together and talk about the special cocktail with the dead baby boy, in French, I don't know if you noticed, but they call it the Le Petit Gregory. Le Petit Gregory is a reference to a little boy that was killed in France back in 1984. The kid was abducted and drowned in a river with his hands and legs tied. That's why they do that with the olive and the sugar and drown it in the drink. I was a kid at the time in Geneva, Switzerland, right next to France, and everybody was talking about the case and how horrible it was. So in the movie, calling the tiny olive with the sugar Le Petit Gregory was very offensive to some, but which makes the movie even better. In 20... I think he meant 2020. They reopened the case after new evidence surfaced, but still no killer after almost 40 years since the boy was killed. You can read about the case here. He left us a Wikipedia link. Uh, there's an amazing Netflix documentary called Who Killed Little Gregory in 2019. Thank you, guys. Keep doing what you do. It's awesome. Xavier from Geneva. And he said, sorry, I did not ask a question. And that is perfectly fine because that is a cool little tidbit that I did not know about. So, yeah. Luppity Gregory. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Man About's Dog would do something like that. To you know, to me, man, that's put dog is like. We talked about it a little bit the other day, me and Matt, and uh, we're talking about how the fact the first time he watched it, he didn't realize it was a comedy because of how fucked up it is. 
And uh, that's what I think is so good about that movie. <laughs> like, it's like, it's so genuinely dark, but the humor also works masterfully in my mind. It's one of my favorite films ever, and I think it's a shame it only has that one Criterion release. It really needs a really good special edition Blu-ray. Hopefully Criterion will get on that if they still have the rights. Um, so yeah, La Petite Gregory. Very nice. Thank you so much for that, Xavier. You are awesome. We appreciate you greatly. Thank you for listening so much. It blows our minds that we have international listeners, let alone people that want to listen to it in the States. <laughs> so next up, we have Robert from Wyoming. It's been a minute. Good to see you back, brother. Uh, Robert says, hey, gentlemen, greetings from Wyoming. First question, it's not a horror question, but it involves a lot of blood. It's going to be wrestling. I know some people don't like it. Some people love it. So I think we have a decent little listener base that listens to watch like that. Likes wrestling as well, so that's pretty cool. What do you think of Matt Cardona? I know some are angry, but I am stoked. I wrote to him once telling him my son was a fan, and he was he has corresponded with me several times and sent him gifts, so I'm happy for any success he gets. What's your opinion on what happened? So if you don't follow indie wrestling or wrestling in general, Matt Cardona is the former Zack Ryder from the WWE. He was fired... Uh, started running on the independent scene after his release from WWE and has really killed it, honestly. Like, I always really liked him in the WWE. I always thought he was a very good wrestler, super charismatic, but never got his fair shake. And then on the indies, he's really tore it up. And in particular, his run in Game Changer Wrestling, GCW, has been second to none. Like, some of the best, like, heel heat I've ever seen. Like, he gets... Like, people hate him, and it's beautiful, because nobody really gets that anymore on the indies. I mean, I guess 440, if you know who that is. Um, they're a stable of bad guys. But yeah, he, he's so good at what he does, and like hearing that is even awesome, because it's like he seems like such a nice guy in real life, <laughs> outside of his character. Like, I even have a shirt, that's the tweet that Dave Meltzer posted about how like sickening and disgusting it was that the fans threw trash at Matt Cardona when he won the belt. But that, to me, was, like, one of the coolest things. Like, I haven't seen that since, like, NWO, and, you know, in the 90s when Hogan dropped a leg on Savage <laughs> when I was a kid. So seeing that was so cool. And, um, you know, I had heard a rumor spreading around the Internet that his open challenge in Vegas was supposed to have been John Moxley and that he was supposed to drop the belt in Vegas. So I don't think his run as GCW champion was ever meant to be very long. But... And I was a little bummed with how they did it. You know, losing the belt the way he did. But ultimately I thought there's still more to it. And that he's going to be there more. I don't think he's ever going to do another death match. You know, I think that was a one and done situation. But the fact that he even got in there and did it is absolutely insane. I, you know, that takes a lot of balls to get hit with real glass that many times. And to get, I mean, like, he had no scars at all on his back, and now he's scarred up. So, yeah, Macaron is awesome. I love that dude. Wish him nothing but the best in his run. Like I said, I don't think he's done in GCW just yet. So, Robert says, my movie question is about Netflix. I don't have it, but I recently watched The Platform, which is an original idea and a decent flick, definitely. Underground vibes since it's about pooping and peeing on other people's food. 
Do you know of any other underground style movies available on Netflix that I should watch or anything from any streaming service? Love you guys and take care. Thank you so much, Robert. Good to see you back. You know, the platform is a film that my uh, friend Gilbert that we reference on the show a lot has uh, recommended me to watch. I couldn't tell you how many times and I just keep forgetting to watch it. So I feel bad about that that I haven't watched the platform. I do have Netflix, but I don't use it a lot. Um, and sometimes I think if I didn't, you know, if some of my friends and family members didn't use my Netflix, I'd probably just get rid of it. Uh, so I don't know a ton of stuff on Netflix. This would have been a great question for Matt because Matt does keep up with all that stuff. Um, but I know The Apostle is on Netflix, which is, I believe, a folk horror film directed by Ben Wheatley, who, uh, has done Kill List and um, Sightseers and Field in England. And uh, I haven't seen it, but I can't imagine it ain't going to be kind of weird and, you know, I don't want to say fucked up because I don't know if it is or not, but, you know, out there and strange because that's just what that guy does. So that that one I could imagine would be pretty pretty good, <laughs> pretty underground feel. Uh, now, Tubi is a free streaming service that we recommend a lot on the podcast. I don't know how they manage it, but there's there's fucking shit tons of goddamn films on Tubi. I don't know how they pull it off. Um, and including a ton of unearthed films. So if you want to see stuff like Record of Sweet Murder, which is a fantastic fucked up movie that I couldn't recommend more. Like that's on there. Atroz is on there. Uh, tons and tons of like crazy underground films from unearthed i would highly recommend tubi for sure they even have uh the other day i was going through it making a list of movies that i want to watch for um i like to do this thing for halloween where i just make a list of films and i'm randomized movies that way i take away the problem of trying to pick a movie all i got to do is just hit random number generator and okay that's the movie i'm watching today um i know that sounds weird but that's the way my brain works sometimes i have a hard time narrowing down films <laughs> and for me it's like if i just put it all up to fate it's just easier but anyways i was going through it and they have last house on dead end street on there you know they have vinegar syndrome titles severin titles i don't know how they do it i'm assuming it's a legal thing because it's not like a you know sketchy side it's a mainstream side that's garnered a lot of attention you know so Shit, at one point I think Cruel Jaws was on there. I don't know if it still is or not, but, you know. Yeah, so I would definitely check out Tubi because it's got a ton, ton of crazy movies on there. So, yes, thank you, Robert. It's been a while since you've sent a question, and we're very glad that you're still with us and still listening. So, thank you so much, man. Uh, so, next up we have Rural Death. They say, ultimate wrestling match between any horror villains. Who's in the ring and who wins? <laughs> That's a fucking great question. Um, hmm. Ultimate wrestling match between any horror villain. Damn, I don't know. Like I was sitting here thinking about like styles. Like Freddy Krueger is probably going to be kind of Lucha Libre. Rey Mysterio-esque. Jason's got to be like Kane, you know? <laughs> big meaty powerhouse <laughs> Michael Myers is like a like an Undertaker character um who would Pinhead be like Pinhead would probably be like uh, he's kind of conniving <laughs> Pinhead's Vince McMahon <laughs> um 
Yeah, I don't know who I'd want to see wrestle. How about a tag team match between Henry and Otis and the brothers from uh, Just Before Dawn? (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) It's a great question. I'm not saying that question is stupid. I'm just saying, like... I'm sitting here trying to actually think about it. It's just to be simple. It's like, oh, Lucha Libre, let's go. You know, that's the cool thing about like horror and wrestling too. Like, why I think it has such a like a connection in a way is because you know you suspend your disbelief for both, of course. But like in Japan in the '90s, they had all these like horror villains in Wings, which was a promotion out of there, and FMW as well. So you would have guys like Freddy Krueger and Leatherface and the, the Crypt Keeper and Michael Myers and you know there was one uh, Jason the Terrible, which is you know he's supposed to be Jason, but it was actually Tracy Smothers, who's a legend. Hey, rest in peace, Tracy Smothers. Um, it's like you could actually see this. You know, it's such a wild, wild ideal. And like, it's like, of course, you know, we like horror and wrestling because like. You know, it's such brazen, over-the-cop characters and craziness that, like, they'd go so hand-in-hand together. But if I had a pick, I think I'm going tag team match. Henry and Otis from Henry Portrait's Serial Killer versus the Mutant Brothers from Just Before Dawn. <laughs> and, and as much as I love Henry and Otis, I, I just can't see them going over the two mutants from Just Before Dawn. They're probably going to squish them pretty bad. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rule Def. That's a fucking great question. I wish Matt was here for that one. He would have loved it. But, you know, I'm going to ask him again next week. <laughs> okay, Matt. Uh, next up, we have Andy Palvacini. Fucking great artist. Great person. Love him to death. He says, howdy, fellas. How you guys doing? I'm doing all right. Matt's doing fine. Just a little sick. <laughs> Second question. What non-horror director do you think would make a great horror film I was watching No Country for Old Men recently and while it's not a horror movie straight up I, it did make me think about how maybe I can't read it did make me think how brutal it was compared to most of the Coen Brother films and how it had some horror elements so I started watching wondering who else could give it a go personally I would love to see one made by Harmony Kareen and Quinn Dupex? I don't know if I know him. Or Quentin... Quentin... Dupex? I don't know who that is. I have to look into that person. Every time I see a filmmaker I don't know, I'm like, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. No Country for All Men, like, it at points feels like a slasher, almost. Like a really, like, intense slasher. Like with Anton Sugar stalking down Josh Brolin's character the entire time, um, so yeah, I agree with that too. And like the violence level, like so many good tense scenes, like the cop scene, and then of course the the coin flip scene with the guy at the the um, uh, the corner store. So yeah, I would love to see the Coen Brothers kind of tackle a tackle a horror film. Um, Harmony Kareen, I think, is a fucking great answer. Like I don't even know what that would look like it would be so so wild (laughs) just to see that guy like um just delve his insanity into like a straight up horror movie because i think you know trash humpers is horror adjacent but not horror you know so yeah harmony kareen i think is probably like that would probably be my answer as well that would be great who else would make 
who else is a non-horror filmmaker that I would love to see do a horror movie? Hmm. I should have looked into these a little bit more, but, you know, we've been trying to deal with everything. <laughs> with Matt and everything, but... So I probably should have thought about these a little, a little more. Because at one point I would probably said Kevin Smith, but Kevin Smith did do a horror movie, and I, you know, Red State I thought was good, but... Oof, I didn't care for Tusk, nor did I care for Yoga Hosers. So that one's out of the question. <laughs> who hasn't? That's the thing, too. It's like, who hasn't done a horror movie? Uh, what about... Shit. You stumped me, Andy. <laughs> um, ah, shit. What's his name? Um, give me a minute here, guys. <laughs> On air Googling. Because I can't think of his name. At all. What the hell is wrong with me today? Eh, probably because it's 8 o'clock in the morning and I'm not used to being up this early. <laughs> I'm trying to get an episode done that <laughs> probably just shouldn't be. <laughs> um... Because, like, you know, Abel Ferreira is, was one. Scorsese, but, like, Shutter Island kind of is a horror movie. You know, Coppola's done horror. Reffin, I would say, has done horror, even though it's not, like, straight up. Well, that might be a great answer, because, like, some people wouldn't even consider Neon Demon a horror movie. Um, I would, definitely. So, you know... But some people wouldn't see Reffin as a horror filmmaker at all. Um, damn. Yeah, like, Scorsese doing a straight-up horror movie would be kind of cool. But like I said, like, Shutter Island kind of is horror. <laughs> I can't think of a lot of people who are, like, non-horror filmmakers who haven't made a... How about Woody Allen? <laughs> Could you imagine what that would look like? It would be incredible. <laughs> oh, uh, what about um uh, Todd Phillips? You know, Joker's got some really dark shit in it. That would be kind of cool. Um... Plus, you know, he did Gigi Allen's Hated. You know, everyone kind of knows him for the Hangover films, but, like, Hated and um, Joker, I think he, you know, looking at those, he probably could come up with some pretty cool shit. So, yeah. Sorry that answer sucks so damn bad, Andy, but you are great, and we appreciate you, and everybody go check his art out. Andy Palvasini on Instagram. Really cool shit. Um, thank you again. <sighs> Next up is JK Bitch. Excellent username. <laughs> we always say that. All these usernames are great, though. Um, JK just said, watched Return of the Living Dead for the first time and was surprised by how scary it was. That blows my mind that you just watched Return of the Living Dead for the first time. But awesome at the same time. I got to see that at the drive-in last year. But unfortunately, um, we didn't realize that speakers weren't going to be provided. They didn't say anything about, like... How to do audio. So the audio situation was kind of fucky-ditty. Um, 
we kind of were just listening to it through other people's cars because if we left our car open, it would probably kill the battery. It was a, it was a, it was a rough situation. Uh, Knoxville Horror Film Festival is an excellent um, festival, and the people at Central Cinema are great. But you know, a heads up on the radio, other than the day of, would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways the, uh, JK said I always imagined it as a zany spoof movie but the idea of the zombie being virtually indestructible is terrifying when you think about it what's your opinion on horror comedy overall scary movie and the spoof genre in general destroyed a lot of nice things and horror comedy was one of them even before that I think it had a branding problem. Army of Darkness is action adventure fantasy, in my opinion, and Dead Alive is pure comedy. Neither of them scare me. Uh, yeah, um, horror comedy is a difficult genre to talk, like tackle, really get into because like there's so many variants of it. You know, like of course you got your spoof styles, and then you got your unintentionally funny movies. Are they even horror comedies, or are they should they be left out? You know, stuff like um, Troll Two. Or 555 or something like that. A lot of the shot-on video stuff in particular. Like, are they horror comedies or are they just unintentionally funny movies? So, should they even be spoke of in the same vein as others? Then you have, you know, I would say like Return of the Living Dead. Straight-up horror comedy. You know, it focuses on horror and comedy. Then you have a movie like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which is purely comedy first with horror elements in it. So... Yeah, a horror comedy is such a tough genre, and like you see it a lot on the. Well, you did. Now the underground is kind of filled with more, you know, extreme cinema. But there was a time when it was riddled with horror comedy, and I think because people thought that was like that was the easiest thing to do. It's like, you know, I'll make a dumb comedy with some gore thrown into it, and then bada bing, bada boom, I got a movie. But really, horror comedy is one of the hardest genres in the world to tackle because it's got to be funny and scary. And those are two hard things to do, and you're trying to do both of them in the same vein, you know. Return of the Living Dead, I think, is an excellent, excellent example of, like, what a horror comedy should be, because it is very funny at times, but then there's scenes in it that are really dark and spooky, and, you know, there, there's some good atmosphere and some, like, like you said, the idea of the zombies being indestructible is, like, really, like, unnerving. So, it's a tough, tough genre. You know, I feel for anybody... Who wants to write a horror comedy, you know? Like, it's something I've tackled for sure myself as well, you know? And have thought about wanting to make a horror comedy, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's tough. And like I said, it's, it's a genre that might have the most amount of movies of any subgenre in horror, and it's one of the most popular. And I think it's because there's a lot of people who like, they like the idea of horror, but they don't want, like, something really, really scary. So it's like, oh, I, I can pop in Fright Night, you know. Yeah, it's it's got spooky stuff in it, too, but it's really funny and lighthearted. Or a movie like Evil Dead, the original, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is just very visceral and mean and nasty and spooky. You know, oh, it's going to give you the nightmares. <laughs> so I think, you know, like, horror comedy is like a great genre. And it is a really good genre. It's not my favorite genre of all time because, like I said, like, if you're going to make a horror comedy, the comedy has to land. Like, you can throw as much blood and guts as you want to, but if it ain't funny, then you failed. So, yeah. It, it's a it's a weird one. It, on one hand, it's it's fantastic and it's great. But I guess that's like any genre, you know? Like, you're going to have your good and your bad, but, like, 
to me personally, a bad horror movie can be watchable. It may not be fun to watch, but it's watchable. I think a bad comedy is absolutely unwatchable. Like a movie that's not funny, that's supposed to be funny, is one of the most miserable things to sit through. Like, like we recently watched the past, well, not recently, it's been about a year, but we watched The Past with uh, Jean Leguizamo, and god damn, that movie was, like, unwatchable. Like, sitting through it was hell on earth. It was absolutely miserable. <laughs> I didn't, I wanted to turn it off, but it was a group watching, so it was like, we just bared through it. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a lot harder of a genre to tackle than a lot of people think it is. Because I think they can just make some bad jokes and throw some guts around and like, hey, there you go, there's your horror comedy. And like you said, spoof movies. I don't know. Like, I would be lying to say if I didn't like some of the scary movies, like or some of the bits in scary movies. Maybe not a whole entire scary movie to be honest with you, but like, there's definitely parts of them that I do think are really funny. But is that even a horror comedy? Like that falls in like again, there's that gray area because it's not trying to be scary at all. So does that uh, disqualify from being a horror comedy? I don't know actually. You know. I think horror is such a broad genre, man. Like, it's such a broad genre. Like, anybody can have a different opinion on what horror is. Because, like, for example, like, to me, Ichi the Killer, I think we actually is a horror comedy. Um, a very, very bleak, dark horror comedy. Black is the not, you know, horror comedy. But I do think it is a horror comedy. But I could totally see people being like, one, it's not a horror movie. Two, it's not funny at all. <laughs> But does that does that disqualify it from being a horror comedy? I don't know. You know, Visitor Q is the same way. It's another Takashi Miike one that I would call a horror comedy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Hope that answers the question a little bit. I like horror comedy. I think it is a good genre, but I think it's the one of the harder genres in horror to do. You know, one of the hardest subgenres to pull off good. So I would like to you know, you know see more people try to go horror like lean more horror than comedy in the horror comedies because I think sometimes people like to just go all out with the humor and kind of like put the horror on the back burner we recently watched a movie called Feaster Sunday by Brian Papa Andrea uh, put out by Rock Bottom Video and I think that one's a really good example of horror comedy because like it's the humor is so dark that it really like 50-50s the horror and the comedy really well you know, it's wacky and goofy at the same time, but then there's stuff about it that it's really dark and messed up, you know, so that, I think that's a good example. And Rock Bottom are great examples, like, especially on the indies, because like I said, like, being funny isn't easy. Like, doing comedy is way harder than people think it is. You can't just do a bunch of inside jokes that make your friends laugh and think it's going to work. But Rock Bottom Video pulls off comedy so good. Like, they're they're the best on the indies of doing horror comedy, in my opinion. So yeah, thank you very much, JK Bitch. Hopefully that answered your question. Next up, we have Spooky Celluloid. With this week's episode having a trash Italian flavor, we apologize it doesn't. That'll be next week. <laughs> I know you were very excited about the Bruno Mate episode. I am as well. It's not canceled. It's just delayed a week. Um, so, you know, we apologize for that, but I'll still answer the question. <laughs> If you had to choose a director between Joe D'Amato, Bruno Mattei, and Claudio Fragazzo to make one last film, which one would you choose? Hmm. Good question. Um, 
to me it's 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 got to be Bruno. Um, I find Bruno Mattei to be like the most unapologetically brazen filmmaker out there. Like he just didn't care, like to name his movies, you know, uh, to make them sequels of movies that. You know, he did not have the rights to make sequels to, like, Texas, or not Texas, that was clear, I forgot, so, Terminator 2, you know, or Cruel Jaws, Jaws 5, or, you know, to make these just obvious rip-offs, like Shocking Dark, Terminator 2, or Robo Wars, which is basically just Robocop in the role of Terminator, or not Terminator, but Predator, you know, Strike Commando, it's Rambo rip-off, <laughs> Hell of the Living Dead literally uses music from Dawn of the Dead, you know, his his cannibal films, Mondo Cannibale and In the Land of Cannibals, are just cannibal holocaust ripoffs, you know. He just did not care. And I think that's such a beautiful thing for him. I mean, I wouldn't want all filmmakers to be that way. Like, he just did not care. Like, he did not hide what he was doing. You know what I mean? He was taking a movie that's popular and making his version of it. And it, it, was, a, it was a beautiful thing, you know. And, and and though I would pick Bruno Mattei to be the guy to make one last movie, Zombies the Beginning is a hell of a way to go out. Like, that movie is just insane. Like, we were talking about wrestling earlier. You know, like, Goldberg's theme music is in the movie, which I think, you know, I don't think that that wasn't made for Goldberg. It was a piece of music used for Goldberg, but still it's like, what the fuck is happening? And then there's, like, just random, like, monsters in it as well. It's It's beautiful. You know, we'll talk about it next week for sure, but... Yeah, Bruno, the dude was, God, he was so amazing at what he did, you know. He was like the ultimate trash filmmaker, in a way, you know. Move over Ed Wood, move over Al Adamson, move over Andy, McGill, Andy Milligan. Bruno Mattei is where it's at, because that dude just did not make movies that weren't entertaining. His movies were always, that you cannot say that Bruno Mattei didn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> When it came to making fun movies. I mean, like, go watch Cruel Jaws and tell me that movie sucks. You can't. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's so stupid. You know, and, and to this day, this man's legacy is still felt because he nearly took down seven films. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. I, I, I fucking love Bruno Mattei so much. From the time, I, I think, what would have been the first Bruno Mattei film I discovered? Probably Hell of the Living Dead, I would say. I think that was probably the first Bruno Mattei film I saw. But ever since I saw that, I, I was just, I was hooked on that guy's stuff. Like, I am unapologetically and unironically a Bruno Mattei fan. <laughs> like, I, legit, he's one of my favorite Italian filmmakers of all time. Um, D'Amato, I do like D'Amato. He's, I, I don't love D'Amato, Um, Like some people do. Like, his sexploitation stuff I find to be, eh. You know, and a lot of his horror stuff. I don't know. Like, D'Amato is a weird one. Like, his films always kind of feel like he's like, here it is. <laughs> kind of guy. You know, I mean, he probably wasn't. He probably was passionate about his work. But, like, it just felt like he did horror because that was the easiest thing to do. And Fergazzo, I, I do love Fergazzo as well. You know, Night Killer, in particular, I find to be just, you know,. It, and of course, Troll Two was always going to be the more popular, because you know it's actually anybody can watch Troll Two. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing in it that like would push people away, other than it being a really shitty movie. But if you like bad movies, 
then of course you'd be into that. But where Night Killer has like some, you know, um, violence towards women and some nastiness in it. Um, but I find Night Killer to be more entertaining than Troll 2. <laughs> and at times, just as like insanely bad. It just doesn't have the same production problems that Troll 2 had. Like, it still has, like, the insanely bad performances and what-the-fuck moments, but it just doesn't have the same, like, special effects that and ideals, like, you know, v- uh, vegetarian trolls that eat people, you know? Like, but they have to turn them into vegetables first. But it still has shit like, you know, what happened to you, man? I was molested in the little boy's room, you know? Yeah, Claudia Ferrazzo's great as well, but Matei's the guy to me. He's the guy. I would love to see Matei still to this day making movies, ripping off uncut gems, you know, <laughs> ripping off Tarantino films and shit like that. I think it would have been a really beautiful thing. So thank you, Spooky Celluloid. Moving on here to the People's Mikey. People's Mikey says, Howdy, my dudes. Hope you guys had a great all-out weekend. Fortunately, I didn't get to watch it. I was at work, so I kept up with it, though, and it, whew, it was a show. AEW's on fire right now. We've all heard how a lot of actors slash actresses have gotten their start in horror and would later become stars. Is there anyone in horror that you can see make it into the mainstream? Also, is there anyone you would like to see return to horror? Looking forward to Bruno Mattei. We will get there. We apologize. Have a good one. Cheers. Yeah. Um, anybody in horror that we could see making it to the mainstream. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think last episode we even referenced Brian Papandrea. <laughs> and that I said if this was the 80s, that guy would be like the secondary character in every 80s like horror and comedy. And I say about that, that dude is... He's really, really, really good. Like, he's just... He's so charming in every movie. Like you, when he's on screen, you're immediately drawn to him, and I think he's he's brilliant in that, you know, and like he's got such a presence that if, like I said, if this was the '80s and '90s, this dude would be in like he'd be the best friend in every horror comedy and horror film and comedy out there. Like <laughs> he'd be the he'd be the secondary character. He wouldn't be the lead, but he would be the best friend in every film. So yeah, Brian Papa Andrea for sure. That dude is he's. Fan-fucking-tastic. Um, I don't think he even acts anymore, but Brandon Sawkill from Dustin Mills films back in the day was, uh, I always thought he was insanely talented. Um, just, a just an amazing performer. Like, again, like, he could do it all. Like, he could be terrifying or he could be really funny. He could be very sympathetic. You know, he was just fantastic at what he did. Um, Tiffany Shepis. I've said it time and time again. I think she's a fantastic actress. She's, a lot of times she's in movies that don't give her a lot to chew on. But when she is given a role that she can like do more with, she always shines. You know, Again, if this was the 80s, she would have been in everything. You know? uh, but yeah, I could see all of them like, doing bigger stuff. And uh, what was it? Anyone to return to horror? Hmm... Does uh, Ryan Gosling count? Because he was in an episode of uh, Goosebumps. <laughs> I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan. I think that guy is amazing. I would love to see him come back to horror. Um, 
Kevin Bacon came back to horror. You know, he did Friday the 13th, and then he did Stir of Echoes in the 90s, and there was a rumor of him playing Freddy at one point. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know if it had been good, but it would have been kind of cool to see. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't keep with a lot of like the mainstream actors anymore. I like to see Tom Hardy in like a Texas Chainsaw-esque role. Or like Wolf Creek kind of thing, you know, like a backwoods killer that kidnaps people. I think that because he's very intense in movies, that would be neat. Um, I don't know if he's ever done a horror movie. To be honest with you, anyone in the mainstream that likes to see come back to horror, they usually always do come back. That's the thing, you know. Look at Jimmy Lee Curtis, you know. Once the roles start <laughs> drying up, Michael Myers, here I come, baby. <laughs> Which, man, we went and seen the new Candyman, and I, for one, I thought it was a fucking fantastic film, but I've seen mixed reviews on it recently. I thought it was really good. But the trailer for Halloween Kills, I thought looked like shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it, I'm, I don't, the franchise films have always been something I didn't really care for that much. Not that I dislike them. I love Friday the 13th, Halloween. Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Texas Chainsaw. Like, I think they're all phantasm. Like, you know, the franchise stuff I do think are good and fun, but I always just didn't care about them the way some people do. Like, there's people out there who, like, Halloween is, like, the holy grail for them. Like, that series is, like, the best thing ever made. And I just don't... I just never cared. Like, I always, want, uh, like, I always cared, liked more one-off slashers than I did franchise slashers because it's just, like... How many times can you do the same thing over and over and over again? But I digress because I know people, you know, some people love franchise stuff and that's that's perfectly fine. You know, everybody has their bread and butter and that's what's beautiful about horror. We all can like different shit. And I, like I said, I do like the franchises. I just, I'm not obsessed with them the way some people are. But anyways, I digress. I thought Halloween Kills looked like absolute shit. But I know people are so damn excited about it. And I'm like... What the fuck? Like, if this wasn't Michael Myers, I think people would be like, that looks dumb. <laughs> but because it's my, you slap Michael Myers in it, it's like, let's fucking go. So, yeah, I don't know. I digress. But, yeah. If they start in horror, at one point, they'll probably come back to horror. And that's usually the way it goes. But as far as, like, people going mainstream, Brian Pop Andrew, I think, is the number one for me. That dude should be the best friend and you know, whatever big Hollywood comedy comes out that isn't very good but makes him a lot of money. <laughs> That's the more important thing because he deserves it. Thank you, People's Mikey, as always. You are fucking awesome. We love you. We love all you. We love all y'all. Um, you, I always have a, such a hard time with this username. U-X-S-X only, which they do a lot of really cool shit. Go give them a follow. Their store is awesome. I've ordered shit from it. I'll order more shit from it, guaranteed. They have a lot, a lot of really cool underground stuff, too. Like, if you're looking for a really rare title, and you're looking, you're fine with spending a little bit of cash, like, there's, the prices are really good, too, by the way. Um, so, if you're looking for a rarity, go check them out, because you probably could find it and find it for a decent price, instead of going eBay and overspending. Yeah, so follow them for sure. Their question is, do you like SpaghettiOs? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm a fat man. I like most foods. <laughs> uh, yeah, SpaghettiOs are cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If, I don't think they wanted me to give a serious answer to this, but I'm going to. 
I, in particular, really like the SpaghettiOs with meatballs. And when I'm at work, sometimes I'll get me a bowl of SpaghettiOs and meatballs. I think it's, you know, a pretty good, quick meal. I mean, it's not like, it's not gourmet. But shit, who cares, you know? It's just as good as ravioli. It's, cause it's just as good as the, the, the chef. Chef Boyardee's. It's just as good. At least in my opinion it is. So, yeah, SpaghettiOs rule. But I preferred back in the day, if you remember, the, um, the, it was basically SpaghettiOs, but it was the alphabet. Now that, that was the shit. Or, or you get the ones that were like shaped, like dinosaurs or cartoon characters. Oh, boys, get in. Everybody hop in this back seat. Let's go back to the 90s and eat us some alphabets. <laughs> I don't remember what the hell they were called. <laughs> yes, UXSX only. Like I said, go check them out. Y- you won't be disappointed. You can pick up uh, Phil Stevens' Flowers on there, and that's a fucking great movie. And Flowers too, As well as Granography, which is cool. Um, what else they got on there that I thought was really cool? I want to pick up some more of the um, grossest videos production stuff, because their stuff looks wild, and I haven't got a chance to check a lot of that out. But yeah, they got all kinds of cool shit. Go check them out. Eat SpaghettiOs with them. And last but definitely not least is Josh, Joshua Fat Attack. He says, what's up, guys? Here's my question. What are some of y'all's favorite guilty pleasure films? It can be any genre of film. Ah, you know, guilty pleasures are hard for me. Because, like, I've always felt like if I like it, is it a guilty pleasure? Like, I'm not ashamed of anything I like. But if I had to, like, put it like a... Like, if I had to, like, rein it in and pick something that is a guilty pleasure, it would probably be, like, some really shitty kids' movies. Stuff like Peanut Butter Solution or Page Master. I like, in particular, Page Master. I love Page Master. I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. Still love it to this day. Um, Mac and Me <laughs> is one. I, I, like, that's the thing about Mac and Me. Like, everyone's like, it's such a shitty movie. Ain't it fun? I'm like, yeah, it is. But I think it's really fun. <laughs> like, really, really fun. Like, I really love Mac and Me. <laughs> I unironically love Mac and Me. <laughs> Uh, that'd probably be the number one's Mac and Me. <laughs> I genuinely love that movie, like, a lot. <laughs> um, what else is a guilty pleasure? I'm looking around all my collection right now. I mean, I, I, I'm a diehard shot-on-video guy, like Splatter Farm, Cannibal Camp Out. Uh, but I don't think it's going to get any better than Mac and Me. Then genuinely loving Mac and Me and thinking Mac and Me is like an actually like good movie. <laughs> the unapologetic fucking McDonald's shill E. T. ripoff. I don't think it gets <laughs> I don't think it gets any worse than that as far as like a guilty pleasure goes. <laughs> oh my god. Water power and force and entry as well. I actually legit love those movies. <laughs> Even though they're just like gross 70s porns (laughs) so yeah that's the questions for the week i really appreciate you all it was fun hopefully i answered them decently it's tough when you ain't got somebody to bounce off of and i didn't i really you know i should have i should have um pre-read them 
more. I did go through them, but I should have pre-read them more and like researched them and went through it and like had you know questions right now. But it's, a lot of times I like to just do top of the head stuff as well. But sometimes I can't do that because my brain don't work real well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that was good. Hopefully it worked. Hope you enjoyed it. We appreciate you always. We'll we'll take questions for next week episode as well. If you don't want to re-answer or re-ask a question, you don't got to. We appreciate you anyways. If you're like, damn you for answering my question alone and being shitty at it, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm thinking you guys will be like that because we have honestly just such a beautifully great, wonderful listener base that we're super lucky to have. So normally I take a little break and play something, but I'm just going to move into it because, you know, it's not going to be very long. I just really wanted to put something out so it wasn't just dead air for a week. So I was just sitting there thinking, it's like, shit, what what the hell can I do by myself? And uh, I've been watching a lot of Dead Pit, old school Dead Pit, and newer Dead Pit as well. Um, and they interviewed Don May Jr. from Synapse Films, and it got me thinking about Synapse Films again. And thinking about how much I loved that company, you know. we, You know, with, with the boutique label becoming um, popular again. With companies like Vinegar Syndrome and Severin and Massacre, Unearthed, um, you know, all these labels, you know, Air 444 coming out and dropping Antonomy Extinction and stuff like that. And like the collector market really starting to boom again. You know, Synapse has kind of gotten lost in the mix because they just don't put out a lot of stuff. You know, they don't do monthly titles. They just, when they get something done, they put it out. Which, you know, I think there is, like, a something to be said about that, though. Because it does, you know, make make the releases mean more. Not that, you know, Vinegar and them don't. But, like, it, they're not always putting something out. So, when you get something from them, it, it's, like, really cool. Because it's like, oh, shit, here's Synapse Films again, you know. And to me, like, Synapse was one of the companies that got me into, like, the boutique label. They were probably, like, the first company I collected. Like, when I'm away to collect their stuff. And, you know, I haven't seen everything from Synapse, so this isn't a definitive list, nor is it even a list. I just looked at my shelf, picked out a couple titles that I thought were good representations of what Synapse Films does and what they are as a company, and was like, ah, oh, shit, I'll just talk about them a little bit. You know, and that'll be the episode for the week. It won't be very long, but hey, it's something. Work with me. I'm getting. <laughs> Give me a break here, guys. I'm trying. So let's just run through these. Uh, the first one I picked out was the Exterminator. Um, fucking, this movie is one of my most watched Blu-rays in my collection. It's a fucking badass, awesome, fun '80s action revenge film with some gnarly special effects. A fucking great. Old school cover art, good performances, great soundtrack, beautiful transfer. There's nothing to dislike about this movie. The Exterminator is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite films out of the 80s, like just in general. I've watched it so many times. There's a decapitation at the beginning of the movie that I think is one of the best decapitations in film history. And it just doesn't let up. The villains are despicable and the heroes are awesome. It's everything you want in a revenge film. It's it's fucking great. 
I can't wait for the day we get to cover that film on the podcast and really dig into it and talk about it. It's excellent. I, I can't recommend that one enough. And, you know, I picked it because it's like, you know, that's a representation of that synapse doesn't always just do horror, you know. They'll get out there and tackle some weird 80s action stuff like Red Scorpion as well. Or some shitty comedies like <laughs> Hot Dog the Movie. <laughs> but that is not on the list because <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care for that movie. But that's okay. You know, some people really love it. So the next one I picked is Singapore Sling. Um, you know, we were talking about horror comedies earlier, and I think there's a lot to be said about this movie being a black horror comedy. <laughs> you know, like a dark, dark horror comedy. Uh, gross, really nasty movie with um, some poops and some peas. Well, I don't think they poop, actually, now I think about it. But they definitely pee and puke, and it's not not effects. It's, it's, it's a... It's unsimulated, um, so it's really gross. If you're a fan of what we talk about and the films we cover and like the underground world, um, I definitely would check this out. And I actually think like you know, Mario Dora is a very popular filmmaker in the unearth or not unearth, but uh, well, they are unearthed. <laughs> but the underground uh, horror scene, I would almost say this is a better version of what Mario Dora tries to do. It's not as extreme as Mario Dora. But it kind of takes those same, like, art house style and, like, unsimulated violence, or not violence, but unsimulated, like, sexual experiences and, like, does it in a way that I think works just a little bit better. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. I would love to see them do a Blu-ray of this, but I don't know if that'll ever happen, to be honest with you. Because uh, the filmmaker, he unfortunately um, killed himself not long before this DVD actually came out. So... Really tragic, but really good movie. Bizarre. Some fantastic visuals that I never forgot. And, uh, yeah, it's really fucked up as well. So, you know, if you like what we talk about, you definitely want to check out Singapore Sling. Uh, my next one I picked out is La Mora, A Child's Tale of the Supernatural. This movie is just beautiful. Like, one of the most gorgeously shot films of its era bright and vibrant and colorful and gothic but at the same time like a rural horror tale as well folk I, I would categorize it as a folk horror movie it feels like a fairy tale at times it's a film I champion so often because I think you know it's genuinely like a lost gem like people have kind of forgotten about Lamora a blu-ray or a 4k of this movie would just be a wet dream <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful movie um and weird too like the performances are very odd and surreal that it really adds something to the movie quite a bit but yeah the colors are where this movie's at like man it would just be gorgeous to see this in high definition but i don't know again i don't know if it's ever gonna happen i believe the the producer of it and uh, had passed away and the elements are kind of lost to the times so hopefully they can be dug up and, and we can get a blu-ray of it because man it, it so deserves it um, next up I picked Mosquito a childhood favorite I watched this movie so many times on Sci-Fi Channel and when Synapse announced this blu-ray I was like let's go <laughs> like I was jumping for joy Gunnar Hansen fighting mosquitoes, fun effects, 
good stop motion. This movie's just a, just a good fucking time. Like this is like perfect fun group movie. Get you a couple beers, kick back, enjoy. Don't take it seriously. It's gross at times. It's violent at times. It's silly at times. It's anything and everything you would want in a movie of its style. You know, like I said, childhood favorite. Loved this movie along with. I really loved bug horror films when I grew up. Was growing up movies like this and Ticks was another one that I really liked. <laughs> snake movies too. I've been looking for the snake movie forever. It used to play on USA all the time. And it's like this earthquake opened up this cave with these rattlesnakes and they invade this like town. I can't find this movie anywhere. I've tried so much. So if you know what I'm talking about, email us at sickoncinema at gmail.com and let us know. Because damn, I want to find this movie again. I used to watch it so much as a kid and I cannot find it. But yeah, I, I used to really love these giant bug movies from like the 90s. And this is a perfect example of it. I think probably the prime example of it, honestly. I think it's the the magnum opus of giant insect films. <laughs> so Mosquito is a ha-ha recommendation. Uh, Black Roses, the follow-up to Rock and Roll Nightmare. Now, I chose it instead of Rock and Roll Nightmare because I feel like Rock and Roll Nightmare has garnered a quite a reputation recently. I see a lot of compilations on YouTube of like bad horror films and like Rock and Roll Nightmare gets... A lot of praise, and for good reason, because, good lord, what a fucking weird movie. <laughs> Dumb movie with one of the craziest, stupidest climaxes of all time, but that, anyways. Black Roses is really a better movie, yo. Um, it's kind of got your, like, classic tale of a rock and roll band coming into a town to corrupt the kids, and everyone's like, nah, everyone's just, they're just all having a fun, good time, but turns out they are trying to corrupt the kids, and there's these weird lizard-looking people, <laughs> and it's fun, and it's... It's got some good gore in it, and it's silly, and, you know, it's a film that I don't think I ever would have discovered without uh, Synapse Films. So, yeah, Black Roses is a high recommendation as well. So the last three I picked out here are the heavier hitters, and I think really kind of represent Synapse perfectly. Um, first up is Thriller, A Cruel Picture. We covered this in uh, Revenge, I think the first time we did Revenge Films. Uh, episode may have been titled Rape Revenge, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. Yeah, this was probably the first Synapse films I ever bought. I heard about this movie, and I really, really want to check it out. You know, it, it's infamy for, you know, them using a cadaver eye for the eye uh, gouging scene or the inserts of hardcore pornography and stuff like that. I really wanted to see this movie. And, um,. It's a it's a film that I just genuinely love too. Like I think it's a p perfect example of rape revenge and you know doing it well. You know Frigga, played by Christina Lindbergh. You know she's beautiful and she's powerful towards the end, but she's vulnerable still. You know it, it's a fucking excellent film. Um, if you've never seen Thriller Cruel Picture, I highly recommend it. Which I think you can still get. I don't know. I don't know if the Thriller or Cruel Picture version is still available, but I think there's still places you can get uh, The Caller One Eye, which is the other title. So I highly recommend Thriller or Cruel Picture. Uh, next up is Suspiria, Dario Argento. I mean, what fuck? What can I say about Suspiria that hasn't been said by people m far more educated and smart and fucking well-versed on the topic than me? But I picked it because, like, that was, you know, the title that, fucking synapse announced that everybody was like oh my fuck 
you know, they released this big deluxe steelbook version of it, and it was well worth the wait. It's beautiful. Like, the transfer is beautiful. And I know they did a 4K version of it yet, but I haven't I haven't upgraded everything to 4K, so I haven't... I don't have that ready. <laughs> but the Blu-ray alone is just stunning. You know, and I can't wait to see what they do with the Kindred. Because, you know, if it was worth the time for Suspiria, then it'll be worth the time for the Kindred as well. You know... And to see, like, what they can do with the movie. Like, the Suspiria was always a good-looking movie, but, man, I got to see their transfer in theaters, and it was, like, seeing the movie for the first time. Like, it was that beautiful and that, like, well done. And last but not least is Street Trash, which I think, uh, I would honestly say, the when I think about Synapse Films, I think the first film that pops into my mind is Street Trash. Just a wacky, weird movie that's really hard to explain. You know, first time I heard about it, it's like, oh, it's these hobos. They melt after drinking Viper, this liquor that Scott finds in his basement. That's only a quarter of the movie. You know, the rest of the movie is this weird, like, hobo population that lives in this junkyard that has this hierarchy, you know, existence of, like, you know, like, you got your upper echelon and your bottom tier, you know, like, oh, this, and how that, like, plays out. Such a weird movie, but at the same time crazy and wild and fun and can get kind of dark and mean-spirited at times as well um awesome effects and beautiful colors and the blu-ray from synapse is fucking phenomenal and that movie never would have looked that good without synapse films and that's the thing that i think you have to give synapse credit for more than anything and that dame jr who does the restoration work for Synapse and is co-owner of Synapse, gives a shit and will not put a movie out that is not completely up to his standard. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing because like Synapse's work is speaks for itself. Their transfers are second to none in a lot of ways, you know. Vinegar Syndrome's up there as well. I think they do amazing transfer work. But it's hard to beat Don. It really is, you know. The guy worked on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, the Blu-ray release of it and stuff and how good it looks, you know, to the day, you know, I feel like he is the standard bearer of film restoration, you know, and uh, I'm glad Synapse Films is still out there, though they may not be as active as they once were, I'm still glad they're around, and uh, yeah, go buy some Synapse stuff, because they've, that doesn't even scratch the surface of great Synapse releases, but that's going to do it for this episode, solo adventure, hopefully it wasn't too bad. Hopefully it wasn't too rambly. Hopefully I didn't fuck everything up and you now hate the podcast and wish it never existed. <laughs> Hopefully I answered everybody's questions well, if you will. Um, questions, comments, and concerns. If you want me to fuck your question up, <laughs> I'm just playing. Can be sent to sickoncinema at gmail.com or you can wait to the week of the episode and on our Instagram page we'll post a lovely little photo made by Matt that says taking questions. And you can ask us whatever you want to. It does not matter. Or you don't even have to ask a question. You can, like I said, send us little tidbits. Send us information. Send us uh, comments on the podcast, how we can do better. Recommend us movies. Whatever you want to do. It does not matter. Um, but I'm going to quit rambling. It's going to be a shorter episode. But we, like I said, we really appreciate you. And next week we will be back with Bruno Mate. And uh, that's going to be awesome. And then after that we're heading basically... Head first into the Halloween season, which we're going to try to do some cool shit for that as well. So 
stay with us. We appreciate you guys so much. We have the best listener and fan base, and I uh, couldn't be more happy about that. You guys make this well worth doing. So, having said that, I am John. Matt is not here. And you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film, Sick on Cinema. 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 I hope I never have to do this by myself ever again. (laughs) 